Zachary and Abby, I can't tell you how happy I am that we're all here together today. Zachary, I so love your warm smile, your gentle spirit, and your soft heart. You've given yourself tirelessly to pushing through so many of the projects that we all now enjoy. I'll never forget the cold Montana night that I stopped by the bustling work site of what is now the Cheese Cave, just to see how everyone was doing. As I walked up to the edge of the 12-foot deep trench and looked down through the rising dust and steam of body heat, I saw your big warm smile peering up at me, and I knew everything was okay. Abby, you also have a wonderful smile and a certain grittiness and perseverance that your family, the bakery, and the whole community have come to depend on. You've helped our family run a family homestead and move across the country many times. You've been willing to tackle any task, no matter how good, bad, or ugly it was. Your name means my father rejoices, and you have truly lived up to that name. For those of you traveling from out of state, you may or may not know that Montana is known as the treasure state. Active mining takes place in 29 of Montana's counties. There are 26 different minerals mined here, with the five most common being gold, silver, copper, lead, and zinc. I was a chemistry teacher. <laughs> It's estimated that over 1.1 million pounds of gold have been mined in Montana from the late 1800s to the late 1900s. Here in Sweetgrass County, <clears throat> we have a platinum and palladium mine, one of only three mines like it in the world. As you know, all of these metals are considered precious metals because they are one, rare, two, useful, three, beautiful, and four, exceedingly difficult to obtain, as I'm sure any local miner will tell you. Abby and Zachary, I want to talk to you tonight about a very special kind of treasure, one that is also rare, useful, beautiful, and not easily obtained, but one that is also very unique and distinct. The Apostle Paul wrote about it in his epistle to the Colossians, he said that in Christ Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Listen to Job's discourse on the value of wisdom. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches every recess for ore in the darkness and the shadow of death. He breaks open a shaft away from people in places forgotten by feet. They hang far away from men. They swing to and fro. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks and his eyes sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden he brings forth to light. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? 
Centuries after Job, King Solomon would follow his same analogy when he wrote, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. In fact, when given the opportunity to ask God for anything in the world and being guaranteed to receive it, King Solomon asked for wisdom. I often wonder what I would ask for if I were given this same opportunity. So why wisdom? What is it that makes it so valuable? Well, Solomon would also say that by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Zachary, you and your father and your brothers have built many houses over the years. You know full well the vast array of knowledge, character, and skills that must all come together to bring a quality house to completion. The blueprints, the tools, the building materials, the workers, the various systems of plumbing, electrical, and heating, the cost, the phases of construction, and so on. All of these different elements must fit together into one coordinated and integrated whole. And wisdom, as Solomon said, is what does that. Wisdom builds the house in which love can survive and flourish. In short, we can say that wisdom is the ability to perceive right relationships, to see how all things fit together according to God's patterns of life. It is expressed in the work of a composer of music who takes individual notes and joins them together in rhythmic sequence to form a melody. Then he takes complementary notes and joins them to the melody to form a harmony. And measure by measure, he arranges the melody, rhythm, and harmony together to create a song. Abby and Zachary, as the song we just sang earlier, expressed, God has invited you to be part of a symphony, a beautiful, heavenly harmony. He is joining your individual lives today in a harmonious marriage covenant. Your marriage covenant can become a harmonious family. Your family can be fit into a harmonious local church community. Your local church community can be fit into a larger global community, a great symphony of all these finely tuned and orchestrated components making manifest the manifold wisdom of God. Such harmony is possible. Let me repeat, such harmony is possible. And it is beautiful, but as in my previous analogy of mining precious metals, achieving it is difficult and costly. Therefore, wisdom's fruit of beautifully orchestrated human relationships is rare. How many couples in today's world actually marry? Statistically, less than half. And of the couples who do marry, how many of them stay together? Statistically, less than half. And of the marriages that do stay together, 
how many are actually ordered according to God's design, making his beautiful music in perfect harmony? Sadly, I'm afraid, not many. How many Christian communities do you know of where believers are willing to make an enduring commitment to truly lay down their lives for one another in love, as Jesus said they should? And how many of these church communities are then actually willing to follow through and hold each other accountable to that commitment? I'm again sorry to say, not many. Why is it that so few in our culture are finding the treasure of successful relationships? Is it not simply because the cost is so high? The Apostle Paul gave us an important insight on the cost of wisdom when he said that wisdom of God is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So the price of obtaining wisdom is self-sacrifice. And to be blunt, people don't want to die. They don't want to give up their selfish pursuits and appetites. They don't want to lose their image, their position, or their independence. What if I give myself completely to this relationship and the other party doesn't? What if I submit myself to God's design and the other party doesn't? This instinct towards self-preservation is natural to all of us. But as Jesus said, the sad fruit of yielding to these fears is that in seeking to save their lives, people often come to realize that in the end, they've lost the very meaning of life. For true meaning isn't found in pursuing one's personal pleasures in isolation. Just as surely as a musical note only finds its purpose in the context of the composer's score, so we must sacrifice our comfortable independence if we would discover our proper place in relationship to God and to others, and thereby find lasting fulfillment. This is what marriage, family, and community are all about. Losing one life in order to gain another of far greater worth. It's hard, I know. Again, that's why Solomon and Job chose mining, the most arduous, difficult, and grueling labor of their time, to describe what it takes to find wisdom. But some are willing to face all the dangers and hardships of mining for precious metals. Why? In short, it's because they believe the value of that treasure is so great that the hope of finding it makes that painstaking process worth it. And if they will do it for gold that perishes, how much more worthwhile is the pursuit of the true and lasting riches? As the song we just sang says, there are so many things we have given up, but take a look at what we've got. For many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Abby and Zachary, you can do it. Don't be afraid to give all in pursuit of wisdom and love. Continue to use the time-tested tools that God has given you, that have brought you this far. Have the humility to keep learning 
from the fruitful miners around you. Remember, we are stronger here together than we could ever be alone. Most importantly, never give up the quest. Never stop digging past the pride, past the fear, past the selfishness that so easily beset us, that you may gain more and more of this great treasure. It is rare, it is difficult to obtain, but it is beautiful, it is possible, and it is worth it.